Welcome to another exciting message from Journey Church, meeting weekly in Northwest Calgary. At Journey Church, we're encountering God and embracing people. short today, okay, so that you can all go home and get ready. Um, I love this time of year, and I love when Christmas actually falls, like, I'm going to be the parent that tells you the truth. If you're a parent here, you're like me. We love it when kids go to school almost until Christmas, because that means that they're not home until a few days before, right? You know those years where it falls, where they get out on, like, it feels like the 14th of December? What is going on with that? And then you have to, like, I don't know, do Christmas games for 20 days, it feels like. And anyway, so praise the Lord, this is, calendar is in our favor this year. Um, I want to conclude our series on songs of Advent this morning. Um, but before I get there, I, I do want to tell you that next week we're going to start um, a series called Fresh Start. And I know this is um, typical that we would talk about something like starting fresh at uh, into the new year. But I actually think it's important that there are seasons of our life that the calendar sort of helps us. Can I get a little less on this mic? Thank you. Um, the calendar helps us to, um, you know, position ourselves. And the new year is going to be, why not, why not starting next week? So, listen, if you have friends who, have got a gym, who are going to buy a gym membership next week, <laughs> and this is going to be the year. My, my eight-year-old said, why does everybody at the New Year's say, this is going to be the year that I'm really getting in shape? And he was making fun of all of us, and I felt really offended <laughs> because he was making fun of me. And, uh, but anyways, next week, we're going to start this series, and I, I, I actually think it's going to be very impactful. If, if you have a friend who maybe you've been inviting to come for a long time, this will be a great time to invite them. It's going to be practical and um, yeah, I, I think that this is the 2020 is going to be our best year yet. I'm believing that with all of my heart. God says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has in store for those that love him. And, and I believe that if we'll lean into that promise of God, that we'll grow as people and that we'll grow as a community. But we're going to continue in our series on the songs of Advent. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 2. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the songs of worship, the songs throughout the Christmas story, and we've been asking ourselves the question, how do we truly become worshipers of Jesus over this Advent season? And this morning, I want to look at the text of the wise men, and while they didn't sing a song, they certainly were worshipers, and um, we're going to read the text from Matthew chapter 2. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
And Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Okay, so a very familiar passage, and we have songs about it with very minor keys, because apparently everybody from the East sang in E minor. Um, <laughs> but there's a few things about this scripture that I just, I just want to set us straight before we look at how this challenges our lives. The text, um, the text here really highlights the groundbreaking, um, the, gr- the groundbreaking nature of the incarnation. So it's interesting that for thousands of years, Israel had been uh, the people that God spoke to and spoke through. But when Jesus was born, he sent magi from the east, people who were not part of Israel and people who were from another country, another nationality. And we realized that God was highlighting that Jesus' birth would usher in a new covenant where anyone can come. It's very interesting to me that if you look at historically, um, historians believe that the Magi, and we're going to talk about this in a few minutes, were um, astrologers. Okay, so now some of you right now as I'm saying this, you're like, what you mean is astronomers, right? Because astronomers are people, are science. Some of you have taken an astronomy course here. Uh, it, you know, you look at the stars and you try to figure them out and you can tell me where the big bear is in the sky and also where someone's hat is. I mean, I don't know about the hat, actually. I'm just making that up. But um, Okay, so astronomy are scientists. Astrologers are what the Bible describes as people who practice divination. Okay, so divination is, another word for that would be witchcraft. Okay, so astrologers, they're the people that like horoscopes. Okay, so I'm just, I'm just, I just want you to understand this, that most historians believe that the wise men were astrologers. Now, some of you are arguing with the historians right now in your head. God would never choose people like that to come to the birth of his no some some of you where where did you get your sources i would like the source up on the screen right now so that i okay so this this mixes us up a little bit because we while we say that god can choose anybody and can use anybody when it comes down to it what we really think is that god can choose anybody and use anybody unless they're good especially or only if they're good like if they're not into anything that would be called sin so are like only the little sins, like gossiping, or the little sins like greed. But like things like a, astrology, I don't know, because that's like divination. In the Old Testament, we're supposed to stone people like that. So, okay. So what this story tells us, when, when New Testament readers would have read this story about magi coming from the east, they would have done this. <gasps> they would have been scandalized by it. In other words, it kind of, do you remember, uh, some of you, this will tell your age in a second. Do you remember in the 80s when there was a lady named Miss Cleo on TV? Did you guys have her in the West? 
call me now, Mr. No, you're looking at me like I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, anyways, you could look her up. You can, don't Google her, don't call her, but it is funny. Anyways, okay, so it, it would be a little bit like Miss Cleo coming to see Jesus. And God spoke to them. I'm going to tell you that the story tells us right off the bat that God will use anybody. And he will go to far extremes, extremes that we wouldn't even go to. His grace is bigger. His mercy is wider. This is where the book of Ephesians says that we can't understand his love. It's too high. It's too wide. It's too deep. And the story, right at the birth of Jesus, tells us that God, listen, God's no respecter of persons. No matter where you've come from, that's good news for most of us today. Because most of us, in our heart of hearts, don't feel like we have it all together, like, we have, like we're all lined up, like we have all the things going on. But this reminds us that everyone is invited to the table. Everyone. The second thing is that the wise men um, were definitely not at the stable. And th that's an, an important thing for us to see. I know that all of our nativity scenes at home have the shepherds, and angels and wise men, but they really actually weren't there. Historians believe that they probably came to Nazareth about the time Jesus was about two or three, a toddler. And this highlights a couple of things to us, namely that God is in control of every detail. And we tend to think, we tend to think of our, of our life in terms of days and moments. Like, what was the moment that changed your life? What was the day that changed your life? God thinks differently, though. And you see this throughout Scripture, that God thinks in seasons. And um, this is important for us to know because the inauguration of Jesus as king didn't take place in a barn on one evening. Rather, the culmination of these wise men's coming didn't happen until two years later. Now, why is this important? Because I think a lot of us, we expect like a big bang in all of our lives to line up in one moment. We expect everything like it to be a beautiful moment where just everything lines up. And then, but maybe the scripture shows us that maybe God's working things out little by little by little. And all of a sudden you look up and think, yeah, God's in the middle of this moment. He's been in the middle of this season. And I think this is important because if you think about Mary and Joseph, I think we think of it kind of, I mean, the Christmas carols we sing tell us this, like it was so amazing. Like Mary was just so taken aback because all of these people had come to the stable. But then really if you do the timeline in real life, okay, shepherds came. It'd be like you going into the hospital and one person coming, one person that you didn't know or like even like very much came to visit you. You wouldn't think to yourself, wow, this is such a holy moment. You would think to yourself, why are you coming to visit me in a stable right now? Clearly I'm in pain. Okay, so it's a season, right? This inauguration of Jesus as king is a season, I, some of you have found yourselves in the middle of what seems like a long season. And it feels like all the details are not working out. Like, it feels like, I don't know, just shepherds have shown up to your life. I want you to know that God works in seasons. And he's got wise men coming from afar. He's working out all things for your good. And this story tells us this. Okay, so, but what does this story about the wise men teach us about true worship? I, I think the story of these wise men should be a narrative that challenges how we live our lives, particularly how we worship. And um, what I want us to see first 
in this narrative is that the worship, the true worship that the wise men brought required sacrifice. Required major sacrifice. And I think sometimes we skip over this part because we just think, and wise men came from the east. Like, like I know what it is now when we have planes to come from the east, but still, like, you're coming a long way. Um, I, I think we we don't take into consideration often what it would have cost the wise men. We often think that these guys, I think we just think of them, well, these were the kind of people that wore robes and they had things on their heads and they just like full time gave out gold, frankincense and myrrh. That was what they were put on this earth to do. And I mean, in some respects they were, but I, I don't think we think of them as people. Okay, so these were, we know that they were wise men. This does not mean that they were more wise. This means that they worked Probably most historians think for the king of Persia. And um, Persia is a fair distance. There were no planes, trains, automobiles in the state. It's a fair distance. Okay, it's going to take them years to get to this star. Their job, by the way, was to make the king of Persia look good. That was really what their job was. So they'd be in the court of the king and they'd have like, uh, they were into, they were scientists, yes, but they were also into some form of astrology. But they're primary job was to make the king look good and in this case they are announcing the birth of another king this would have caused them to have to give up something now people being people have you ever gone on a journey with somebody like like a, a hike and don't look at the person if they're here okay so you get on the hike and like everyone's very excited you have granola bars in your back pockets and you've brought water and you are ready you've got your um, Patagonia sweater on and okay you ready and you're very excited about it and you have looked at the pages that you're the pictures of things you are going to summit like you've seen the picture of these things and then you get going you know that one person you don't really you're not really even excited you're gonna that they're there with you you love them but you're not excited that they're because you know a kilometer into that hike my sciatica is killing me or like their baby toe that they stubbed when they were 15 is now acting up. Or they fall or they see a bear. Like the, just, you know, like they always have something. Do you know this, people? Don't look. Just look straight ahead right now. That is the key. Look straight ahead. Okay, so people being people, if you go with a crowd of people, you always know there's one of them. There is one of them. If you are that one, you may need to come up to the ceiling at the end of the service. We will pray for you. There's always one person. Okay, but I'm going to tell you. We don't know, by the way, historically, we don't know if there was three wise men or if it was a big crowd of wise men. We, we uh, Tradition has said that it was three because they had three presents. But you know, you have all gone in on a group present with your mom before and you just signed your name. <laughs> so anyways, we don't know how many. I'm going to tell you, though, I, I'm sure. You're walking for a couple of years, okay? This is not like a five-minute journey. Oh, we see a star. Let's walk over to the 7-Eleven. It's going to take... This is year... You know there were people in the middle of it going, I don't think so. I don't think that was a star. I think that was an alien. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And they had to travel all the way to get to Jerusalem. And then they actually... If you look at the text and the way that the Greek is, is um, written here, what you see is that like th they actually had to go to Herod because they didn't know... Kind of like they kind of lost their way. They got into Jerusalem and were like, where, where is this king? Okay, well, we've got to go. And, you know, somebody said, we better ask for directions. I could make a joke there. I will not. I will refrain myself. Um, okay, so they, they had to go to, and then they went to Herod. 
But this would have required great sacrifice on their part. This was not their job. Their job was not to be like people who wandered around the planet in search of stars. This was not anything in their job description. And um, you see, I think that they tell us a lot about how we also should worship. David said this in 2 Samuel 24, 24, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. You see, we know that the wise men were truly worshipers because true worship will always cause us to sacrifice something. Our time, our finances, our comfort. But this is difficult. And this is why I think we, we sort of gloss over this part of the story because we live in a society where sacrifice is somewhat of a foreign concept. But this morning, I want to call us all back to sacrifice. You know, the places where the gospel has gone forward with the most power, the communities where the gospel has transformed people and has transformed communities are the same places where people have had to sacrifice for what they believed in. And the truth is, there is, where there is sacrifice, there is always growth. Always. And some of you have not, uh, if you're just honest and you're here on this Christmas Sunday, you think, I have not seen any growth in my Christian life. And some of us, um, maybe, maybe the key is that we need to learn to sacrifice a bit. And I, I'm not suggesting this morning that we make up hardships, that we like, like invent things that we can sacrifice. What I'm suggesting is that we do hard things for the sake of the important things. What would it look like if you sacrificed some time, some sleep to pray, or if you sacrificed some money to give, or you sacrificed time to serve? The level you're willing to sacrifice to is the level that you will see God show up in your life. That you, you can't get away from this in scripture. Now, I, now okay, so now let me just, to, to every side of truth, there's two sides of ditch. Uh, and some people get into this idea that, um, I, I, that God only loves us when we sacrifice, which is really not true at all. I, I don't want us to conflate sacrifice with God's love for you. Would God have still have loved the wise men if they had decided, listen, that star looks like it's too far away. I'm not going there. God's love is bigger than any of that. But I want to suggest this morning that they would have missed out on being part of the greatest story ever told. There's a little scripture in verse 10 of this, of this chapter, and it says this. When they saw the star and they came to the house, they were overjoyed. Now, I think we read it like they went, yay. But in fact... The Greek word here, it, there's no words to describe what that overjoyed uh, word is. We don't have a good word in English to describe it. It means like crazy excited. It's like your kid on Christmas morning when they're three years old and they see those presents. Ah, that, that's, I can't, I, there's no English word for it. It's a, it's a Christmas excitement. But what got them that excitement was their sacrifice. And some of us, we've been living, I, I think uh, we've been living in mediocrity 
like like our Christian walk seems quite boring, and we think if I have to read the Christian story one more time, I, I think we've lost out because because our worship hasn't cost us anything. Truth is this, you can always be sure that when you sacrifice for the kingdom that you will be rewarded. And this is not prosperity gospel. This is the message of the kingdom. It might not be, you might not be rewarded as Mercedes, but I'll tell you this, you will be rewarded with a life that is full of abundance. And I don't know about you, but I'm not uh, looking to live a religious kind of Christian life so that I get to my end of my life and people say, wow, you sure lived a religious life. I'm looking to live a life full of abundance. And the way that we get to abundance is through sacrifice. It is the upside-down kingdom that sacrifice leads to abundance. So let me ask you again, where in your life are you sacrificing in worship to the things of the kingdom? Second thing we learned from the... uh, from the wise men is this, is that true worship requires attention. Do you ever wonder how they uh, decided to follow the star? Like, do you ever wonder if you were a wise man, how you made that decision? Like, you get up one morning, or I guess night, doesn't need to be stars. You see the stars, and you go, I, I think what we're going to do is make a two-year journey here. Like, that's exactly what I want it, and we're going to quit our jobs, and we're going to start walking, going to bring all the things that you need. Like, how did they make this decision? They were normal people. And this this story actually shows us two places that they heard the voice of the Lord in a very clear and compelling way. One was to begin their journey, and one, we, we know, and it just is in a sentence where it says, and in the, in they came, that the Spirit of God came to them in a dream and warned them not to go back to Herod, and so they didn't. This is an interesting uh, part of the story because um, we can recognize this, that if we're going to be real worshipers, that we actually have to be listening for the voice of God. We actually have to hear the voice of God. That in order to actually uh, hear God's voice, we're going to have to slow down. And this is an understatement to say that we have an overwhelming number of things vying for our attention particularly at this time of year. Between the TV, the social media, the number of advertisements, it is easy to become overwhelmed. I've read research on this that says, I don't know, we listen to 10,000 advertisements a day, people telling us what we should and should not do. And and sometimes, if we're honest, I think it feels impossible to hear the voice of God in the midst of this. But Advent is a season that calls us back to stop and listen for God's whispers. And um, listen, being inundated with voices is not just a 21st century problem. Though I, I kind of think we think, well, that was in the wise men's day and they didn't have anybody telling them what to do. It's just very, people will always blame the wise men. But in fact, we know from the Old Testament that it says in the prophets that, that the days that Jesus was born in were days where people didn't hear the voice of the Lord very much. The prophets were silent. And yet, in the middle of this time of quietness, God was still speaking to people. He was still speaking to people that did not, I I don't know, like there's no sign here that they even followed Yahweh. We don't even know that. And God was still speaking. I want to suggest this morning that God wants to speak to all of us. 
And then in order for us to become true worshipers of God, we ha- this is the point of worship, that we would hear his voice and be obedient to him. The hard part about it is, though, I think if, if you're anything like me, when you hear that, you think, yes, I'm going to listen for God's voice. Yes, I am. I'm going to go home tonight. I'm going to sit by my Christmas tree. It's going to look pretty. And God's going to speak to me like this. Jessica, follow a star. Right? Have you ever had that? Like, those of you that are, were, are married now, but you weren't before. Do you remember you used to have this, like, that you would, like, walk into somewhere and God would say, that man in the grocery line with 16 items, there's only supposed to be 14. He's the one you should marry. Some of you who are single are waiting for that. And we think that, like, when we read stories like this, we read into the text things that are not there. We think that, of course, God must have woken up the wise men and said, that star. Like, I, I can't do the voice. But, or that, like, that vision that they had must have been very, like, they must have woken up sweating. Because that's how they always make it in those Jesus films. Someone gets out of bed like, <gasps> and they're sweating, and that's how they know it was God. And I think, I, I sweat every night, so that's like not, an ex- like I just think, I don't know how people know. But we have precedence of how God speaks to people in scripture that we have to look at. First Kings chapter 19 is a story, I would encourage you to read it this week. It says, and then the word of the Lord came to him, he's talking to Elijah. Elijah's in a really, really bad spot. Uh, most psychologists would say that Elijah was in a place where he's, He's just in a bad spot. Most of, most of First Kings, by the way, Elijah the prophet, one of the most powerful people in the Old Testament, was in a bad spot. So if you're in a bad spot, don't worry about it. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death by the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. He said that refrain a couple of times. It's a real whiny section. Probably not his best day. But here's what the Lord said to him. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle breeze. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. This morning... Like Elijah and the wise men, many of us need to know how to slow ourselves down and listen for the whisper of God. Many of us are waiting for the earthquake and the fire. And God wants us just to slow ourselves down and listen for his voice. And this is the question that I have for all of us today. How are we listening for the whispers of God in our life. When was the last time you took just some specific time to say, God, I'm going to listen for your whispers? Because I often wonder what, what would have happened if the wise men had not have listened for his whispers. Both on, and listen, you can't start something and not finish it. So it wasn't just good enough that they heard the star. What if they just grew weary then in listening? said, God, we like got here all the way, two years, forget it. I'm not listening for you anymore. We don't have answers to that, but I, but I do know 
this as I was praying. I, I just, so some of you are here and you think, well, I'm not very spiritual. That's why this, this is why this story is so amazing. I'm not very spiritual. Like you wouldn't really describe me as like a, like a religious sort or like a spiritual kind. I, I want to tell you that you can hear the voice of God. That God will give you ears to hear him. If you'll just reach out to God. You don't have to um, earn 17 spiritual badges before he speaks to you. And that's the wonderful thing about the kingdom. That we're not, um, there's not a ladder to climb. Some of us just need to hear that right now. You, you're climbing all kinds of ladders at work and you feel exhausted. And I just encourage you just in this moment that, that the kingdom of God is not a ladder to climb for the person to come to. Right here in this minute, I, I just believe that God's going to speak to some of you very powerfully. And if you'll listen for the whispers of his voice, that it will change the trajectory of your life. Finally, the, the last thing is this, is that true worship requires a posture of humility. So the wise men, who are obviously very wealthy people, so while they worked for the king of Persia, they would have been very wealthy, and we know this because gold, frankincense, and myrrh um, were given get to the place they get to the place where the star rests and they find a humble king now that sounds poetic we sing about it he creates a humble king okay but let's just like let's just ground level this for a minute you have traveled two years in sand and hot weather you've had a king you've tried to go to this king who did not help you you had to help yourself the star comes and then you get to somebody's house and there's a toddler, there he is, sitting on his mom's lap. And the toddler doesn't look fancy. He, in fact, kind of looks poor. Okay, so like he's living, woo, when you're fancy, when you've traveled two years to see this toddler. Okay, so at that moment, do you know what it could feel like? Like, I don't know, this is not my vibe. This is not what I was, I was like coming for a smoke show. Mostly I wanted to come to a cathedral to find him, but they found him in a house. And there could have been somebody that said, so at this point when they see Jesus, the wise men had a choice. They could have been like, no, nah, I got, I'm out, we got this wrong. But instead they chose to worship. You see, because their worship was not about personal preference or about whether or not they liked the environment. The worship was about him, Jesus, the king who was in their midst. It says in verse 11 that on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And this Christmas, I want to call us back to that kind of worship. The kind of worship that says, God, no matter what circumstance I'm in, no matter where, uh, where I find you is where you are. A couple of years ago, I was preaching a retreat um, way up north in the Northwest Territories. And um, ladies had come and people had come from all over the Northwest Territories. And it was really quite powerful. And um, so the first night that I'm going to speak, um, a lady gets up to lead worship. She has her guitar and, and I'm sitting in the front row and she starts to sing and we do yodeling worship. Okay, so... Some of you might be into yodeling worship here, and that's fine if you praise the Lord, but I'd never heard yodeling worship. I, 
I won't even try, because it's very technically, it's very hard. If you try to yodel worship, it is very, very hard. And you can imagine a hundred ladies yodeling together. Make a joyful noise. So, um, now I'm sitting on the front row, so and I am the speaker, and I'm supposed to be bringing some powerful worship, but all I could think of is, I have got to film this so Marissa sees this. I know this is not spiritual, and I'm telling you all these things, so... I, I felt, though, like in that moment, the Lord chastised me. And he said this to me. So you think I can't come and yodel and worship? So you think I'm not there because not like 21st century songs? Oh, you think I'm not there because not a hymn from like 1950 that everybody can sing out? I felt like force sat me down chair and I want to tell you that for that entire week I felt like I was like God I'm so tired I just said okay God I'm going to yodel worship you I don't know how to yodel I hope nobody takes the sound of me singing it's terrible right now but I, I can I can take you back to that moment on Hay River the Northwest Territories and I know that God spoke to me very powerfully And some of us, we've decided where God can and can not speak to us, or where we will humble ourselves or will not humble ourselves. We've made that preemptive decision. So, like, I don't like Christmas carols, so I certainly couldn't worship them. And I know some of you are like, oh, I just called you out. Yes, I did. <laughs> or some of you are like, I don't like those, like, fast songs, so I can't think of some quiet songs. Or um, just like, I don't think I can do this at home. We have all a litany of excuses. I want to call us back, though, to see this picture of the wise men after they traveled many years to get to Jesus. And they come into a house. Jesus is a toddler. By the way, Jesus was fully human. So sitting on his mother's knee, he didn't have a halo over his head. Because he was like any toddler you've ever seen. Have you ever tried to, like, wrangle a two-year-old? He was human, fully human seeming very human in a human house. And the wise men made the decision to worship him, no matter what the atmosphere, no matter what the circumstances. I want to call you to that kind of worship this morning, that God could actually come, that we live with the truth that God could actually come and speak to us and change us, even in different and wild circumstances question is, am I worshiping with the humility of a true seeker? You know, the story of the wise men is in fact a good picture of most of our lives. We are all searching for significance. All of us. We are all looking for something to give our lives to. And like the wise men, many of us, when we hear about Jesus, we are far from him, and so we make this journey, we begin this journey to find him. Some of you are here today and you've been on that journey for a couple of years. Maybe you're like the wise men, like you've been journeying closer and closer. And today's your day. Maybe today's the day that you say yes to Jesus, that you bow your knee to Jesus and say yes, all of me to all of you. 
And the choice, really, all of us have to make when we come face to face with the Savior is, will I worship him? Will I actually give all myself? It's not, the, the question is not, will I go to church? Will I be a church person? Will I, those, these are not questions that God asks of us. The question he asks of us is, will you worship me? Will you bow your knee to me? Will you give all of yourself to me? Can you just stand to our feet? This morning, I, w- I want to give everybody an opportunity to make that decision. To say yes to Jesus. To say yes to him. And when we make that decision, when we say yes to him, it changes everything about our lives. It's no longer are we living for ourselves. We're living for this king. And there are others of us here today who are going to be stirred to new levels of intimacy with Jesus this Advent. Let me ask you these questions again. Does my worship cost me anything? Am I listening for his whispers? And am I worshiping with true humility? All across that house, can I just ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads this morning? I believe God is here. Jesus is here. So in this moment, would you just take a moment to listen for the whisper of his voice? we know that you still speak to people just as you spoke to the wise men thousands of years ago God I pray in this moment that we would hear the whispers of your voice Lord I pray that you would help us to worship you with true humility God, I pray that you would help us to come close to you. God, would you just show us the places where we need to sacrifice for you? Maybe it's a bit of sleep. Maybe it's a bit of time. God, would you just show us those places now? Illuminate those places to us. God, for the person that's here today that is like the wise men making their journey towards you, I pray that you would show yourself real to them. All Jesus requires is that we would say yes to him we would say yes, that we would bow our knee, that we would bow our heart and say, yes, Jesus, I'm giving my life to you. If that's you this morning, I would encourage you to do that. There's no fancy prayer you have to pray. There's nothing that we have to do. We just come to Jesus as we are. We just say, yes, Jesus, yes, I give myself to you. And when we do that, Jesus takes up residence in our hearts, changes us from the inside out. God, for the people that are making that decision this morning, I pray that you would give them courage. I pray that you give them courage to do that. And that God, as they would say yes to you, that God, they would hear your resounding yes over them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to us today. For more information about who we are, head over to myjourney.church. Or look for us on your favorite social media outlet.